welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. Uh, last week, the regime in Iran murdered a national champion wrestler named Navid Afkari. The allegation against Navid was that he had done something just completely unforgivable. He had spoken negatively about the leadership in Iran and the uh, human rights violations and the regime that, that controls the country and all of its people. And over the last couple of years, they have allegedly, quote-unquote, tortured Navid, physically coerced him into admitting to murdering someone during a protest a couple of years ago. They coerced other people to say they saw him murder that person, and some of those people have since recanted their allegation. And as his, the date of his murder was approaching, many people rallied to ask the Iranian regime to not, to not do this. And it was people across the political spectrum and across sports. Dana White joined in, the head of UFC, and the International Olympic Committee said this man should not be murdered by the regime for these alleged accusations uh, for which there, at the end of the day, is no evidence. The Iranian regime decided on September 12th to murder him. They hung Navid while simultaneously sentencing his brothers uh, to prison for similar accusations. And this has outraged a lot of people. The Iranian regime does a lot of things that outrage a lot of people. There is a long history in Iran of human rights violations, uh, literally throwing gay people who are found to be gay, literally throwing them off of buildings to murder them. That is what the Iranian regime does. And the murder of Navid Afkari on September 12th by hanging, after all of the offenses by this regime, really just feels to me and to a lot of people as the last straw. The way women are persecuted, religious minorities are persecuted, LGBTQ people are persecuted, Navid Afkari has, in the sports world, become a symbol because he fell victim to the harsh realities of living in Iran. And because he was a wrestler. He wrestled for Iran. He was a national champion. And I first heard about Navid Afkari a couple of weeks ago and his plight from my friend, Rick Grinnell. Rick was a spokesperson for the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. years ago. He was the ambassador to Germany. Uh, 
and he was the director of national intelligence for a couple of months earlier this year. And so I wanted to have Rick on to talk about Naveed and to talk about why he, as are many others, are now calling for the International Olympic Committee to ban Iran from competition. Why this was the last straw. Why the International Olympic Committee has to do something. It, it is time to make a statement about human rights violations in Iran. And so I am thrilled to have Rick on. He's got a lot of insights over 20 years of being on the international stage. And uh, it's my pleasure to have him join us. Hi, Rick. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, what do we need to know about this particular murder that maybe we don't? And why should we be paying attention to, to this murder in particular? It's such a good question. Um, you know, thanks for really diving into this situation. Uh, you know, the, the reality is, is that we're dealing with a regime in Iran that is systematically denying their people basic human rights, whether it's the access to the internet or social media or the right to assemble. Um, there, there's serious concerns about the regime uh, tapping into individuals' phones and emails to understand, are they organizing against the regime? These are basic human rights principles that the regime in Iran is violating, and it also violates United Nations uh, mandates. And so I, I think what we have to understand is that this latest case of Navid, who is clearly a superstar wrestler, um, is really the tip of the iceberg in many ways because we've watched as the regime have, has done this to a variety of different people and it's becoming a more serious problem. I think um, Navid is just one who is uh, one of the more famous ones and it's get, garnering a lot of attention, but what people need to understand is that this has been going on for a very long time. Uh, this regime will take uh, individuals who are found to be gay or lesbian and they will uh, trump up charges against them to say uh, you know pedophilia or some sort of crime and they put them through a phony trial and then they punish them and the punishment in Iran many times is being thrown off a building or barbaric uh, uh, ways in which you kill someone um, by hanging them or or shooting them. It's really uh, a systemic human rights violations and people really need to care. You've been the ambassador to Germany. You've been the director of national intelligence. You have seen evidence that this stuff is happening. Absolutely. And, you know, sadly, Iran is not the, the only place where much of this is happening. We know um, what's happening. We've seen pictures that have been leaked out from intelligence sources into the, the public of uh, what the Chinese are doing to the Uyghurs. And they are claiming that these individuals are terrorists who need to go through camps to 
be deprogrammed. And so you, you've watched them be uh, lined up and put on trains. It's reminiscent of the Holocaust and it's horrific. And so I, I really believe that the gay and lesbian community has to understand that our brothers and sisters around the world are really up against um, some terrible human rights abuses and that we need to do more. We um, are so lucky to be living in the United States or, you know, where I was living in Berlin for a number of years um, to, to live in, in Europe or Western Europe, really throughout Europe. Um, we're uh, blessed to be able to, to live in countries where we can be who we are. And yet we know that there are um, individual cases around the world, individual countries, that deny just basic human rights. Uh, you know, there are 69 countries that criminalize homosexuality. There are nine countries that will kill you for uh, being gay. And so we have to do much more in, in our country to highlight the situation and not just concentrate on yet another black tie event in WeHo or Chelsea. You announced a couple of years ago an initiative that you were undertaking in the Trump administration to decriminalize homosexuality. And I know that one of the, the, the criticisms has been, oh, well, there's been, there's been no movement, there's been no success. Is that true? And, and what can we be looking toward over the next year in regards to that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I find it very ironic that, that political types, partisan types will suddenly say that, um, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, we were supposed to make progress on the 69 countries that criminalize homosexuality. After eight years in the Obama uh, Biden administration, they did very little, if anything, to highlight this uh, this problem. Look, this is this is a, an incredibly difficult problem in in many of these countries because not only is it illegal, but uh, there are ties to um, to majority Muslim countries who believe religiously in denying basic rights to gays and lesbians. And so this is this has got to be peeled away from not just a civil society, but many religious societies that uh, believe this is kind of a religious mandate. So it's, it's an uphill battle, but we are making incredible strides. Uh, the State Department has uh, launched this initiative worldwide. Um, we, we have seen incredible progress in some countries. I hesitate to ever, and this may be one of the problems why people don't see the progress over the last couple of years, we're very sensitive to not highlighting a country that is getting close or where we're making progress because it only serves as a flashpoint for those who want to stop our progress or uh, the bad actors that would manipulate what we're trying to do. I'll, I'll give you a, a, one example is that, you know, there's a big healthy debate in the international community, the kind of diplomatic community on whether or not Americans should, through the U.S. embassies, uh, should, should speak up and confront, say, in the Middle East, um, countries who criminalize homosexuality and do it from the U.S. Embassy. The debate is, let's not make this an American thing, uh, an American push, because many in the 
in the Arab world believe that being gay is an is a American idea and that it's you know from Hollywood, it's from America, and it's American values, and they say it in a very negative way. I have been um, fighting within the State Department and within the community, the, the diplomatic community, to say, first of all, that's a crazy idea. We all know that being gay is not an American push or an American uh, idea. And so why would we be silent when confronting those who want to criminalize homosexuality? Uh, we should not play into this idea that's a, that it's a Western thing. We should um, call it what it is, which is a crazy idea that there are gay people in every single country and they deserve uh, to have their human dignity and their human rights. These are basic human rights. Um, and and I, I am one to, to want the U.S. to get much more aggressive in our embassies. And that is a controversial issue. Um, some don't want to have the Americans leading the effort in these countries. And so um, we've largely gotten past that where uh, American embassies are stepping out and, and doing this. That is a change in the direction that many embassies have done. I still, though, have problems uh, when uh, certain countries, certain, or, or certain embassies and countries don't want to make this a Western push or an American push. But we do have greater support in the Trump administration to to not back down from that fight. We have made progress on several countries in the Middle East and Caribbean countries. Most people are shocked to know that um, the Caribbean, many countries in the Caribbean are just as uh, bad on this issue as um, some countries in the Middle East. And so we really need to make uh, progress wherever we have the problems and the 69 countries that criminalize homosexuality, it just means for the State Department and for the U.S. government, we have to work with our friends and allies to have 69 different plans because every single country is different. I know you mentioned to me that you, uh, after the murder of Naveed Afkari, that you really want to see the International Olympic Committee um, ban Iran from the next Olympics. And I, I, I'm, you know, as, as you talk, I'm sitting here wondering why are any of these countries allowed to participate in the Olympics when literally they're throwing people off buildings for being gay? You know, these, these are such important questions and it gets to the heart of, you know, how, how much do you boycott and do boycotts work? And, you know, well, just it's, because, it's I, a I, I, I just want to step in, Rick. I'm not, I'm not talking about boycotts are different bans is something else. A boycott is a country saying, we're not going there. A ban is saying, you're being punished for X. You, your value yeah, but I think, line up. Yeah, and I, but I think that we, in this conversation, which I've had many of these conversations, you, the, the, the conversation tends to flow into the engagement issue that so many in the diplomatic community talk about, the idea of whether or not you engage with a hostile nation or do you not talk to them. President Trump believes engagement is something that should happen. Uh, take, for instance, North Korea, or he's even said that he would sit down with the current Iranian regime. President Trump believes that engagement is a tactic, not a goal, and so no one should be afraid to sit down and have a debate about values and, you know, engage in that. It's it's not a surrender when you have the conversation. And so 
I, I think this is a long answer to your question to say, I believe in engagement, but in order for engagement to work, there also needs to be moments where you say, this has crossed the line so much that you don't get to participate in the international community. And I would say that the Olympics is one of those great international uh, moments for countries to come together in peace. And, you know, there there is at the UN, I spent eight years at the UN, there is the Olympic truce, which every time we have um, the Olympics, the UN passes this General Assembly resolution saying all wars should stop while we have the Olympics, no shooting. Now, countries violate that all the time, but there is this idea of the 193 countries at the UN that they come together and they do a truce, no matter what their feelings are, to come together for the Olympics. Now, we know that in Iran, there is no truce for human rights abuses. And so uh, the the regime in Iran uh, needs to be told by the international community that what they're doing is not good for their people, and I think they need to be ostracized. I think that the international community needs to do more to show the Iranian regime that, that they are on the wrong path. And so I would like to see, because of the systemic human rights abuses by the Iranian regime, uh, I would like to see the international community and specifically the Olympics say, you're no longer welcome in international competition. And for you, this has been building up to the murder of Naveed Afkari, which just is the flashpoint that finally put it over the edge. Yes, I think I think so. And I've been working for the last several years with underground organizations in Iran that, and I have to be very careful how much I give away here, but um, there are international organizations who um, will pay for uh, individuals in Iran who are gay or lesbian to get out and to use this underground system to escape out of Iran. And there are many there are many stories. Um, heartbreaking stories of individuals who who get out and escape to another country and then try to get to a Western style democracy so that they can um, you know live their life freely. I get emails or direct message texts or uh, social media direct messages every single day. Heartbreaking stories. Please help me and my boyfriend or my girlfriend and what we're living under in Iran is truly horrific. And so I think that we've just reached the point where the international community needs to do something. You know, Dana White from the UFC stepped in to the Naveed case and really called upon um, the international sports community to do more. And so I was very happy to see Dana White step in and and say something. But I, I think that more people need to do it. Rick, last question, because I know you have to, to go. I, I saw a statement after uh, Naveed's murder from the IOC that essentially said, ah, well, we didn't want this to happen, but it did, you know, oh, well. And, and do you think there's any chance the IOC will take some kind of action? And, and what can we do to help move that along? Well, the IOC is a very political organization. It's a very complicated and broad organization. So the only way that they're going to take action is when we have a a community of people that's more broad and and louder. 
than what we are now. And so I think uh, that really answers your second question, which is what can we do? Well, we can post about this on social media. You can petition and tag the international Olympic community um, as much as possible. And you should just call attention not only to Navid's case, but to all of the human rights abuses. I mean, one thing that you just have to understand is that information is not free inside Iran. The internet is completely controlled. So we're dealing with systemic human rights abuses and clearly those who care about these issues need to speak up louder and more consistently. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, I learned about this from following you on Twitter and, and, you know, please keep talking about it and, you know, let me know if there's anything specific that you get going on this because uh, I advocated for Russia to be banned from their own games in 2014. And I think you're right. There are moments when the international community has to stand up and say, that's too much. And in, it, it, it is that time with Iran. Thank you, Sid, for your attention to this. I really appreciate it. As you may know, Rick is openly gay. He uh, has a longtime partner. He was the first openly gay person appointed to a presidential cabinet when uh, Donald Trump appointed him as the temporary director of national intelligence. You can follow Rick Grinnell on Instagram and Twitter at Richard Grinnell. It's G-R-E-N-E-L-L. And I mentioned the ridiculously weak statement the IOC released after the murder of Navid Afkari. It says that this is very sad news, uh, that we tried to work behind the scenes, uh, that we were unsuccessful, quote, did not achieve our goal, and our thoughts are with the family and friends of Navid Afkari. Hopefully the IOC takes a little bit more action than that, trying to intercede in something like this, and then having no consequences when a, a, a a brutal regime like Iran has, for them to not respond and to go forward anyway, there has to be consequences to this. It is time to take a stand as the IOC has many times before banning various countries like South Africa and like Afghanistan, banning them for the Olympics in the past for human rights violations. It's time to take that action with Iran. Hopefully next week we'll be back with a, a, a brighter topic, uh, but you know I felt this one was important to weigh in on this week and, and, and make people aware of what exactly Iran did and the need for consequences. I hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you later.